All right, well, welcome. Um, let's pray. Lord, we just come before you right now um, and thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that you have brought each one of us here. Um, pray, Lord, that whatever it is that we do after we walk away from this conference this weekend, that we're doing it all in your name. We're just uh, created, Lord, to glorify you. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have blessed each one of us with unique gifts and talents. And for those that are looking to see how they can use those, Lord, I pray for clarity for that. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So welcome. Um, my name is Dr. Rebecca Meyer. You just call me Rebecca. Um, I teach at California Baptist University out in California, that would be. Um, I'm in the master's program uh, out there. I'm one of the directors in that program. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about my story. We've just recently changed over from the school of nursing to a college of nursing. That just means we're growing like crazy. and God is good. Too much is given. Much is expected, right? <laughs> I just love this picture. Um, for me, it just tells such a great story. Um, here we are. We're supposed to declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all peoples. So, um, and that's just a picture of what it is that we are doing as nurses. So we're really blessed with that. Um, this sets the slide, or the, the tone, I should say, the slide does, for why we go. Lost people. Um, we're created to glorify his name to the ends of the earth, and we're blessed to have some tools in our toolbox to do that. So because you're going to potentially get some CEUs for this, those of you that are looking for that, here's your objectives. Oh, wait, can you tell I'm a faculty member? Yes. Um, I had to give these for you guys so you could get your CEs. Um, so the objectives for this session, we're going to be analyzing how nursing can, um, and other professions as well, because I know there might not just be nurses in here, can use their um, discipline to make a difference. Again, tools in our toolbox. We're also going to look at the connection between his call to follow him and um, what that might look like and how we can come alongside people in our suffering. We as nurses are blessed to be able to do that all the time and other professions as well. So there's your objectives. Okay, met that. You're good to go. Um, so I just want to take a little informal poll of the group, if you will. How many have served in Mexico, Central America, South America? Okay. How about Canada? We do have some native indigenous populations up there. Okay. Um, Europe? Okay. We have lots of um, displaced peoples now in some of those areas in Europe, not to mention some of our postmodern peoples as well. Um, Asia, all kinds of Asian places that could cover, okay. Um, African countries, all right, gives me an idea of what we're, who's never gone out of the country? Anybody? But you're going to, perhaps. Okay. How many, now we're talking, because part of the objectives had to do with local, right? We have our local homeless down the street. Um, how many have visited the homeless under the bridge down the street and done some work with them? Soup kitchens, those kinds of things, okay? Um, volunteered in other ways in your community, okay? You're in the right place. Um, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, right? That's what God calls us to do. And then how many are here looking for new ways to serve? Okay, that's quite a bit. You know, you could just leave now. I'm just kidding. And go down to <laughs> all the exhibitors. 
Um, there's lots of opportunities, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like, too. This, again, you can tell I'm an educator, but this is the world that we are living in currently. So it's huge. We have a population, um, depending on what website you look at, it's about 7.4 billion people. And again, depending on what website you look at, whether it's Joshua Project or IMB, um, the people groups are about 16,000 different people groups. And um, that's best based on ethno-linguistic peoples. Unreached people, so there's less than 2% Christians in those areas, would be over 6,000. And again, the number kind of varies depending on which website that you're looking at. Languages, dialects, all kinds. Even here in the United States, we have at least 350 different languages in certain areas. And then the economy, we've seen um, just in this last week, the um, world market going up and down based on hmm, some political issues. Global health, for those that don't realize, I do teach a global health class in our master's program. Global health is a political variable, right? If you don't have that infrastructure, then that's going to affect global health, right? So very interesting. We um, are in the world, but not of it, right? We're called to a higher place. So we have also the unreached, unengaged peoples. Has anybody worked with unreached, unengaged peoples? Okay, so we have a few. What that means, there's no church planting going on in that area. You might be the only person that has ever talked to that person about Jesus. Um, and that's important because it says in Matthew that we are to go to all the ends of the earth, all the way through scripture actually, and then the end will come when all the people have heard. So that's what we've been called to do. As we know, we're blessed as nurses and other practitioners. Um, raise your hand if you're a nurse. Raise your hand if you're a nursing student, perhaps. Oh, my peeps. Hi. <laughs> um, other professions. Anybody else? A few brave souls that have come in or were dragged in, perhaps. I don't know. Um, <laughs> serving is sacred work. We are blessed. Um, uh, Mary Poplin talks about how would I, how would things be different if I saw every person as Christ in front of me? If I treated every person in front of me as Christ, would that be different? Would my care be different? Maybe. Serving is definitely sacred work. It can also be very messy work. We as nurses um, are blessed to use our tools in our toolbox to take care of people that nobody else wants to take care of. Right? I have had um, situations where um, and I, I'm a pediatric intensive care nurse, um, worked in that area for a very long time to transport ECMO, all kinds of fun things, but we had a dying patient. And the patient was sloughing stool, and it was a little girl, she was 12, and mom was sitting by the bedside. And almost everybody, this was in a secular organization, almost everybody that walked by was making derogatory comments about the smell. The patient couldn't help what was going on. The mom was sitting there with tears running down her face because she could hear everything that people were saying. How do we care for those patients in front of us that are as if Christ were sitting there, right? We take care of those patients that people don't want to take care of. 
We are blessed to be able to do that. But it can be very messy. Some authors out there talk about that space that you enter when you get into that environment, whether it's in a room, in a hospital setting, or it's on the hill, um, on the top of some hill in Thailand or India. You're entering sacred ground when you enter that space with someone else. And a reminder as well, as we know, Jesus touched the untouchables. We still have caste systems in our own society. We pretend we don't. We say, oh, no, that's only over in India. Oh, yes. We have stigma here as well, lots of stigma, um, and especially overseas as well. But aren't we privileged to do every single day what we've been called to do in our profession, um, no matter where we're practicing? We are blessed to be able to do that. And according to Mother Teresa, we're touching the body of Christ, like I said, even though they might be covered, these patients in front of us, with dirt, with maggots, with who knows what. But we're coming alongside those patients, right, and just showing love to them. So again, it's sacred work that we're doing. It's also a call to service. We're to go to the nations. Um, Our salvation is a call to service. To go, revealing the glory of Yahweh Adonai among all peoples. And that is clear from Genesis when Abraham is called out of a polytheistic society. He is called out and said, go and be a light to the nations. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Revelation 7-9 says, we, are, we know the end of the story, right? We're all going to be worshiping at the throne, all tribes, nations, tongues. That's what we're called to do. We're called to glorify him the whole, the whole way. It's so amazing that we have that privilege. So God is also present in that moment um, because we're encountering God in that moment. We have um, one of my friends talks about the big C calling. How many? No, I better not ask that question. Um, some of us as nurses feel that we were called to be a nurse. I wanted to be a nurse when I was five. Okay? Some, and I'm not maligning that at all, because that probably was the Lord calling you to this profession. But some, like me, I was going to be a vet. Fuzzy little animals, love fuzzy little animals, yeah? Um, and then I didn't go right to college, and, and it was an interesting journey how God brought me back. But when I did go back to school, I thought, where can I get a job where I can go anywhere and serve. I'll join the Peace Corps. Oh, yeah. And then, so I went into nursing school. Ooh, can't go that way too far. And um, went to nursing school, and I thought, I love little kids. I've always loved little kids, furry little animals, little kids. They're kind of similar sometimes. (laughs) I can say that because I'm a grandma now, too. But, so I thought as I was driving on my um, way to my pediatric rotation, oh, Lord, Don't make me be a pediatric nurse. There's no way I could possibly be a pediatric nurse. I couldn't handle it emotionally. You know that, Lord, right? And so I'm driving down the 405 freeway, which in California is this ginormous freeway with lots of traffic. And I felt like the Lord said to me, no, you're going to work in pediatrics. Okay, God doesn't always speak to our heart audibly, right, sometimes, but not all. I almost drove off the freeway. And I thought, "Uh, no. No, you can't make me. I don't want to. No. I had a very good argument with the Lord. (sighs) 
guess what? I worked in adult med surge for a while, less than a year, and then went into pediatric intensive care, no less, taking care of suffering and dying patients and worked there for almost 20 years. Actually, 25 years. So God has a plan, right? I'm trying to run up. I don't want to go to Nineveh, Lord. You can't make me go to Nineveh. I don't want to, but God had a plan. I also didn't have um, terminal education on my radar. And God said, oh, yes, if you want to be a faculty, you need to get a doctorate. Oh, no, Lord, you can't make me. Nope, I don't have the money for that. (sighs) God provides, right? And now I have a doctorate, and (laughs) it's funny, um, because I didn't have that on my radar. I never wanted to teach at Cal Baptist. And God worked through, and I'll tell you some stories about having been there now, how God has used that. He uses everything. He uses everything, all your gifts, all your talents, all the tools in your toolbox. God is so good that way. Did I have any of that on my radar? No. But God did. So here I am um, in Uganda. It's very interesting. Um, This verse, whom shall I send? Who will go? And I said, here am I. Uh, Send me. So I'm in my master's program. And I'm at Biola University as a, doing some hours. I'm not even teaching there. And Bruce Wilkerson comes, and he's talking about some service and opportunities in Africa. And he's saying, we need faculty, and we need students, because we're going to go do these great projects. And I said, I'm s- literally sitting on my hands. I've always had a heart to go to Africa, Lord. I want to go, but I'm not a faculty member. I can't go. So I'm literally sitting on my hands, because I want to raise my hand, and I can't raise my hand, because I've always had a heart to go to Africa. And... He prays, after he's gotten some feedback, he prays and he says, there are some of you in this room that God is speaking to you, and you need to listen. Can I hide right now? Because that's me. That might be some of you as well. Trying to run away from God calling you to go to Nineveh or to Africa or to India. Um, I did end up going as you can see, um, with my church the following year. So it was God's timing. I knew I needed to go. But then I had a, I'm never going to go to Asia. Anybody said, I'm never going to go, I don't want to go? Did you hear a theme here? Yeah. Three times later, I've been in India numerous times, Thailand. Yeah, God has a sense of humor as well. But it's all good because um, we talk about when we go overseas, that it's all about the task. It isn't about the task. And as an educator, again, we, we as educators say, well, there's knowledge, right? You've learned a task. You've, lear- you've learned skills. Um, so that's the knowledge piece there's, and, and the skills piece. But what about the heart? So that's KSAs to tie in your QSIN competencies. Those of you that are students now can say you had some QSIN competency information as well. But KSAs, think of KSAs as head, heart, and hands, right? You have your head knowledge. You have your hands, the skills. Anybody can start an IV, let me just say. But what's your heart? That's the part that God's trying to capture, right? That's what God wants you to invest in, is that heart, that attitude piece. And it is a journey. Like I said, I wasn't going to be a nurse. I was going to be a vet. And here we are. Um, I did along the way um, think I was still going to do some overseas service. 
I had kids, um, got married in there before the kids, and then, but my husband then was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis. Oh, okay, Lord, here I thought we were going to do this, but maybe not. Maybe I'm going to do some short-term things and not the long-term that I thought. And that's okay, because God, again, uses all of it, and it's all worthwhile. So he had other, um, he had other plans. So like I said, the story um, of the Bible is the story of God accomplishing his mission. It's the whole plot of the entire Bible. Um, it's the backbone of what it is that we are doing overseas. And um, this picture right here, on, um, I guess it would be my right. We were in Uganda. Again, that I had done some short-term um, other things before going to Uganda. But Uganda was life changing in a variety of ways, which I'll get to. But um, we did a women's tea. So these women, most of them were widows. Most of them could be selling their bodies in order to earn money. So we helped, um, came alongside them, bought some sewing machines. Oh, wait, sewing machines doesn't have anything to do with nursing. Mm-hmm. We served tea to these ladies. We did a spa day for them. So we painted their nails. Um, I have a team of, uh, with my pastors that are over there right now. And the pastors, the male pastors, are painting women's fingernails and cleaning feet. Um, those of you that have been in either Africa or India um, wearing flip-flops and those type of things, do you understand how dirty feet can get? It brings all new meaning to Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. They walked around in sandal-type things or maybe even barefoot, right? That dirt doesn't come off after about a week or two. It just doesn't. But Jesus got down, and he was a servant leader, and he did that task, right? That's what we get to do as well, no matter what. So we are just, again, so blessed. So we gave each of the women afterwards um, a pot of to cook in and some rice. And uh, this is the women that we served in that area I have never seen such dancing and rejoicing over rice and a pot to cook in. It was amazing. Um, We were able to pass off some of the things that we did to the nationals because that's always important as well. And it's interesting because in the clinic, um, those of you, again, that have been overseas, the families bring all of their own in, in Uganda where we were, they have to bring all their own food. They have to bring all of their own linens and those kinds of things. So you'd see whole family groups in that um, clinic setting. And I don't think this little one had probably ever had a bath like that before because for them water is something precious, right? So that poor little guy is just looking up and going, what are you doing to me? Um, But it was a great time of relationship building because that also is part of what we do. And now our church goes back every six months to the same area and we're able to continue to pour into and then come alongside the workers that are there year-round and kind of give them that shot in the arm and that boost to continue the work that they're doing. So uh, that's our treatment room that we were in once they found out I was a pediatric intensive care nurse and could start IVs on little ones. Um, I thought I was pretty hot shot until I went over there. And they're all dehydrated. And they have beautiful, beautiful ebony-colored skin. And you might see that there's no light source except for the window. 
and the clouds come over, and I'm trying, where's my transilluminator? I need to start this IV, and okay, I'm having a tough time. I know where the vein's supposed to be because I'm a nurse. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. It was a, it was a challenge. But God is good, and we were able to treat patients like this one with malaria. Malaria, you can see some of the jaundice um, in the eyes. Malaria is one of the biggest killers in sub-Saharan Africa. We think it's some of these other um, issues, but malaria is one of the biggest killers. So a lot of our patients were treated in there. We take so much for granted here. That's that treatment room. It did have a sink. You can see that it has a sink. But there were no paper towels, right? We're used to paper towels. So they had taken surgical towels, the blue ones, and cut them into fourths. And that's what we dried our hands on. And then we put them in a bucket and they washed them and reused them. So charts, okay, you guys complain about your EHRs or EMRs or whatever language you would like to use. Um, they had no charts. They had basically a piece of paper and the antimalarial medication, whatever it was, they wrote it down and um, gave the meds based on their little notes. That was it. There were no charts. There were no paper clips. There were no things that we take for granted here. But that's okay. We did the work anyway, and it didn't matter. Any of you working night shift? Have worked night shift? Anybody of the, that would be me too. Um, anybody love night shift? I do, actually. <laughs> I know. All right, so night shift in Uganda, you can see that's your light source. You go and check on your patients. You've got your lantern. Um, yeah, no light source. You've got those open windows. Maybe um, some windows were covered, but some were not. Most of the windows were open. And so, hello, malaria. So the night shift nurses were some of our patients because they were the ones getting malaria as well. This little clinic um, in the village, that's one of the LVNs in the area that I was in. The ones that were wearing blue were the AIDS. They did everything because there weren't very many others. The pink is for the LVNs, and then the white would denote an RN. So in Uganda was one of the first places where I really understood that I need to be in the moment with this patient. There were little kids. We, went, we decided to do, we are giving out worm medications, going to do some vaccines, whatever um, the locals, uh, local nurses were doing. So we came alongside that. But we decided, oh, let's do some wound care. And so we had, you can kind of see it maybe on the picture, we had water, we had hydrogen peroxide, we might have had some neosporin and, and gauze, and that was about it. So we took the water, and we went like this over the wound. And then we took the hydrogen peroxide and went like that. And then we put a little neosporin on, maybe rinsed off the water first, and that was it. So there were wounds um, in front of me that I knew I couldn't do anything about. We're out in a remote village. There's nothing I can do to fix this. But I can show the love of Jesus to this person in this moment, and that's going to have to be enough because my God is enough. That was a huge, huge lesson for me um, because we here in our Western society are so cure-focused, right? And there's sometimes when that's not the plan, and it's hard for us to let go of that. 
what's fun about this um, other picture was we had driven out. We'd driven for hours and hours in this little van where you fit. You know, they're supposed to seat, oh, I don't know, nine people. And there's probably about 25 people in it. Those of you that have traveled overseas have that experience probably. And the red dirt that's out there, right, covering you the whole way as you're um, traveling out to wherever. So it's about the serving piece is about the sacrifice and about the you're not going to be comfortable and it's okay, right? We had people waiting for hours to um, see us because they had heard that we were coming. So here's the little clinic, the building um, where we were. We had brought some medications with us, so we kind of triaged. We had some meds over on one side, the, the side where everybody is sitting up against the wall. That was our IV start area, so we were working over there. Um, fun thing, though, we get out there, we start these IVs, and we think, okay, where are we going to hang the bag? Oops. <laughs> So because it was mud hut rooms, there were little things poking out. So we were able to sometimes hang something on the wall, or we would have family members just sit there kind of like, you know, (laughs) holding up the IV until it flowed in. And then on another wall, we were giving out um, shots, uh, medicine, penicillin mostly, and uh, we had one of the locals, the nationals were out, they were the ones triaging. So again, it wasn't us coming in. What we also do in our Western society is we have a tendency to say, oh, I'm going to go overseas, and I'm going to save the day. Mighty Mouse, those of you guys are all way too young, most of you, to know who Mighty Mouse was, but Mighty Mouse was this cartoon about here I am to save the day. Yeah, I'm not singing very well today, but that's not what we're about. We're about coming alongside whatever it is that's going on um, already I've always partnered with people that are already on the field, been invited. You don't just necessarily show up because um, we think that we're the best, if you will. What's interesting, um, serving can also include balloon animals. I have a friend who said, if you're going to just do balloon animals, that is not mission work. Um, It can sometimes include that because perhaps you're doing some VBS. And how many of you are type A's? Okay, nursing students are probably all going to raise their hands, right? (laughs) Come on, be honest. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not being honest. But what happens is our type A, you know, I'm a type A. I like my lists. I like everything. But I learned to throw that out the window because you go over there thinking, I'm going to do this when I get over here. And then you get there and the nationals say, oh, we're not doing that over there anymore. We're going to come and do this over here. Oh, I wasn't ready for that over there, Lord. You're really stretching me, aren't you? Oh, great. I'm going to be doing balloon animals. You do know I know how to start IVs, right? No, I'm going to do balloon animals. Um, But that's often what happens is you go over thinking, and a lot of the sessions that I've heard so far, they talk about it's not about the task. There's There's a piece of that. And if you're going in, let's say, for disaster relief or something, there is a very rigid structure more so than if you're going alongside workers um, in just a three-week adventure. Um, But let those schedules, let that type A, let it go. Because the Lord has a plan. And we aren't over there to save the day. Because often what happens is I am way more blessed by what it is I'm doing than anything that I could do for the people there. So that's huge, um, and it was a big lesson for me as well. Interestingly, um, this is from the Constitution 
of the Mission of Charity. So that was part of Mother Teresa's um, organization. And they talk about we can feed the hungry not only with food, but with the word of God. We can give drink to the thirsty not only with water, but with knowledge, peace, truth, justice, and love. And those are some of the attributes of shalom. You know, shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means all these other things, prosperity, um, and those types of things. In fact, the full definition, again, yes, I'm an educator, completeness, safety, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, friendship with God, and especially covenant relationships. That's what shalom means. That's what we can do. That's what we do as nurses anyway. We try to provide all of those things no matter where we are, whether we're here in the States or we're overseas, right? We're trying to create that area of calm. And it's not only um, looking at the body, but looking at the spirit and the mind, right? That psychosocial piece of our patients and um, coming alongside them, praying for them, anything that we can do with that. So how can we be part of his plan and purpose? Um, Again, we think that this is all about our vocation, but it isn't just vocation, right? We're all called to serve. We can teach, we go, baptize, all the things in Matthew 28 and throughout Scripture. They all go together. They're not standalone items. So so let's kind of talk about... What does that look like? What does it mean to go? So for those of you that have gone, you understand that. But are we really ready to stand for Jesus? What do I sacrifice? Do I really count the cost before I go? Um, David Platt talks about that there were ten disciples were not martyred um, for doing good deeds, but for proclaiming the good news. And it can be hard. And I was overseas one time, and... Um, My family thought they would protect me, so they didn't tell me that my son had been in a motorcycle accident. So those are the kind of discussions you need to have before you go. Do you want to be notified if something happens? Do you not? Because it's going to take away from your serving. If it's short term, you need to decide that. I wish they had told me. I was not a happy camper when I got home. But we didn't have that conversation before I left. So that really taught me that I need to have that conversation before I go with my family. Do I want to know what's, what's going on? We take a lot of things for um, granted, like I said. Uh, up here, there's a, that's an Operation Smile um, picture doing the cleft palate repair. I've got some India pictures in here. Um, like I said, I've been to India three times, Thailand a couple of times. Again, after saying to the Lord, I never want to go to Asia, Lord. I don't have any desire to go to Asia, and God sent me there. Working at California Baptist um, University, we have teams. We mobilize teams of short-term service. Uh, every summer, we have about three to 400 teams, I mean, excuse me, students that go out. So that's about 40, 30 to 40 teams. So I've led about five of those teams. Most of them were nursing student teams, and we've been able to serve overseas. We do that with national partners. Again, we don't just show up. We go and, and work alongside whatever ministry is already going on. We also do a lot of training. We train 
um, security training, culture training. So again, those would be my advice if you have are looking for opportunities. Make sure you get some training in that culture, in that religion. Is it okay to show the bottom of your foot? Is it okay for women to look, since most of you in here are women, is it okay for a woman to look at a man in certain cultures? Is it okay to use your left hand in certain cultures? So you kind of need to know those types of things before, before going. <coughs> Too much is given, much is expected. Um, we're very comfortable, like I said, in our Western culture. So we did some wound care. That's an example that was in Thailand. We did some VBS. That's the picture in the middle top. Um, Again, one of those back pocket things where you think, I'm just here to be a nurse. But then you end up, okay, I'm going to tell gospel stories. One of the best gospel stories, if you can get little kids to act out, is the Jonah story. Because then you can do the big fish. (sighs) That was their favorite part. And we get little kids to come up and tell the stories as well. So storytelling. Storytelling is huge. And I think India is one of the hardest places for me to go, but it's one of the most rewarding places. It's very dark. The spiritual oppression there is very dark. Thailand as well, you see them, they're, they're worshipping idols that are made of gold. There's no lasting anything. There's no eternity in that. And so it's very, it can be very difficult to do and go. So one of the methods that we use um, when we do go overseas is community transformation training. Um, That's the International Mission Board's version of CHE, for those of you that are familiar with CHE. It's very similar. So um, we don't want to create dependency. So we go in and do whatever education it is, whether it's diarrhea training, you know, about clean water, fever, first aid, uh, malaria. We've done scabies, hygiene, feminine hygiene. Um, We teach a group of nationals. And then they train their community. And then when we leave, that training can continue. So it, again, doesn't create that dependency. You don't want to create that dependency. Um, Bible stories, you can incorporate then the Bible stories through that. So, for example, here's a sample story that we used. Mohit and his friends loved to swim in the pool at the end of the stream on the hot day. And guess what? The water buffalo were swimming in that same water source with them. And, oh, by the end of the day, he has a tummy ache and he doesn't feel very well. Why do you think that is? So you tell the stories relevant to their culture, right? So there's the water buffalo. There's a little kid playing in the water. You can put those two things together. You ask the question. Then you have them repeat. So can someone repeat the story to me? And they repeat the story. And then you talk through whatever health points that you want to educate on. And then when you come back in a week, or if the field workers come back in a month, they do the same thing again. So does anybody remember the story that we told you last time? And they're able to remember the health lessons that way. Another method, um, or another project that we did is the PAD project. So we use storytelling. We use the story in the Bible about the bleeding woman. Great story. Interestingly, so we had some people stateside that made some of the pads and other products. We had in these packs, and we were packing them in country, but they had six pads, two panty liners, underwear, washcloths, um, soap. We used lots of pictures because they don't understand the body functions. They have all kinds of interesting names for their female cycles. Um, the Chinese sometimes think about the, it's the Russians are coming because the red um, nation to the north. Um, some of the Hispanic cultures say Maria is coming. So it's interesting to find out those types of little 
um, things that they might in their culture that are interesting. So, and then again, same thing. Story, storying about there was a gal on her way um, to her family's house, and she started to bleed, and she was a little bit late. So she picked up some rags from the home that she was cleaning for um, to to use, and then she wiped herself with some old papers, and then they used their saris again. In looking at the Indian context, they might use coconut husk, um, a cloth from the fires. But then they get all these yeast infections and other things because of what they're using, right? So that's why something like this is helpful. And then if you can take it the next step and teach the locals how to do this for themselves and with whatever sources they have in their community, then you're not creating dependency. What was interesting about this particular situation We did this in a couple different slums in India um, with the nurse that we were partnered with. There was one gal that came up afterwards and she said, because we told the bleeding woman story, she said, I am that woman. I've been bleeding for a very long time. And we all just went, oh, okay, Uh, let's pray. And so we prayed with her. Now my team came back to the United States and then I saw the field worker again a short time after that and she said, guess what? We had used this method, henna storytelling. We did the henna storytelling of the bleeding woman. The woman was prayed over. She went back to her friends and family, told the story because we told the Bible story on her hand using henna. You can, there's all kinds of resources out there for all the Bible stories. But she came back, the woman did, to the next clinic that the field worker had, and she said, I've been healed. I'm no longer a bleeding woman. God is so powerful and so amazing. And he uses things like that in other places and other contexts. If somebody said that here, they'd be like, yeah, whatever. It was the medicine that you took. She didn't have any medicine. We prayed over her. That was it. And we loved her. And we showed her the love of Jesus. That's what we did with her. So the henna storytelling, there's, again, resources out there if you're interested. The one on the right side is a simpler version of Um, The cross to Christ, or the, I guess that one's creation to Christ, and then the other one is um, the alabaster jar, it looks like. So, what's, what's really exciting about our profession in nursing and other professions is that we get to go to places that others can't. Um, those of you that do any disaster relief, we can get in places, again, where others can't. The doors might be closed, but we can go there. And, um, All throughout scripture, it talks about that. So we had, uh, for example, a team going to Thailand. We had two teams a year for a couple of cycles, and we kept visiting this one hospital. And we brought gifts because in Asian cultures, that gift giving is appropriate. So we kept bringing gifts, and I was there last in 2015, brought some more gifts. They recognize you. They remember faces, too. I've had people in India in marketplaces remember me and... And in lots of different places. But in this hospital in Thailand, um, we were there. <coughs> Excuse me. A little tickle. And um, there was a woman that was dying from cancer. So we were visiting her and praying over her. And the, the hospital said, we are going to be sending her home, their version of hospice. And we send them home with a tape recording of sayings from Buddha. And we said... Would it be possible for us to send her home with some tape recordings about Jesus? 
And they said yes. But it was because, God is good, but we had been building that relationship for three years, coming back to that facility, and they were open to us. And that woman was able to go home hearing about the word of Jesus and who he is. So it does take sacrifice. So again, looping back to your objectives, we have talked a little bit about serving, but it it does create, there is some sacrifice, if you will. You have to count the cost. And the Father's work is serious business. It's not comfortable at times. Um, Being in a room that's probably about the size of this area up here where I'm um, talking with 30 people in it, talking about Jesus, and you're just sweating because it's, oh, I don't know, 115 outside. And um, it's, it's not always comfortable. So think about, I mentioned the story of my son being in a motorcycle accident. Imagine um, someone that you love, and they get sick while you're overseas. That's part of counting the cost. <clears throat> Family members, for me it would be grandkids and kids. What does that look like? Because you really have to be intentional and understand that, even on short term. So I would encourage you for that. Do we really stop and think? That would be a challenge as well. The Moravians, when they went back in the day, um, they packed all their goods into caskets, and they knew they were going to go and not come back, right? Now, for short term, again, some people think short term isn't the best and that long term is better. Um, but I give you that example of the hospital situation where we were able to get into a hospital and that person and now more patients are able to hear the name of Jesus. It sometimes also, so it gets us access into places. It sometimes gives a, that shot in the arm, like I said, to the locals who, um, and that field worker or missionary, we don't usually use the word missionary at our university, but the field worker um, can sometimes feel like, am I going to see any fruit? I haven't seen anything for a while. But sometimes our team comes alongside and just gives them that little boost and that little shot of energy, which is helpful as well. So what do we sacrifice? Sometimes um, we think, okay, I gave up my bed, uh, my comfy bed at home. I lived in a hut. I ate the food. I endured the heat, and I used the squatty, (laughs) whatever that might look like, depending on the country. So check. Now, is it a bucket list thing? Because if it's a bucket list thing, that's not good. That's not showing that servant heart. That's not looking at it from that sacrificial point of view, right? It's, again, going back to the heart. Where is my heart? What do I sacrifice? Without suffering, our work is just social work, which is good work. But have I sacrificed? Have I really given my heart? If the nationals see us as serving alongside them, or do they see us as coming in and telling them what to do? We have to navigate that very carefully. We were in um, Uganda, and we were going to go out and do the clinic, and they, um, one of the nurses came to me and said, you have to go talk to them. They're not going to use, they, we're going to give vaccinations, and they don't want to use any um, alcohol wipes for the vaccinations. You have to go talk to them because you're a professor, and you know everything. It's like, oh, whatever. And I said, okay, well, let me go find out what's going on. They didn't have any alcohol. They had some Staley wipes, but they didn't have any alcohol. And this was back in the day where we alcoholed everything, right? So that was why. It wasn't because they didn't want to. 
It's because perhaps they didn't have the supplies to do what it was that we would think of as normal. And, and so I didn't tell them what to do. I came alongside them. So that's a big difference as well. As we know, um, some of the silent killers, we have children dying every day from preventable diseases. That's where, again, you guys can go and make a difference in different places, a variety of different ways and what that look, looks like. And showing his love is where we meet God, and I think I've said that a couple of times. Um, the picture on my right is um, at a place called the Seva Ashram, and that's a part of the Delhi House Society, very similar to where Mother Teresa worked. It's in north of Delhi, about an hour and a half. And they scoop up dying people literally off the side of the road and take them to the Seva, and they rehabilitate them. If they survive, they've heard the word of Jesus, and they are also trained in some kind of a vocation so they can go out and earn a living. So that was a very interesting place to live. I read, the reason I mentioned maggots earlier is because that patient did have a wound with maggots coming out of his mouth and all around. He had a huge, huge wound. And the normal treatment in some countries for that is to pour kerosene to kill off the maggots. We can't do that when it's up here, right? Because we didn't know how far in the wound went. So every day, every morning, Matthias would pull out the maggots and redress and try to care for this patient. He did end up passing away, but he had heard the name and the word of God. He was there for about two weeks before he was... Um, before he passed away. We also did some street ministry. Again, outside of nursing, we would go and get some kids um, from, that were living, living on the streets. There's a difference between slums and street kids a little bit. And so um, we would do that and then just do vacation Bible schools. And these kids were unruly. They are not used to structure. And we're trying to have them sit in rows and sing songs. And it was quite interesting. The first day was quite interesting. second day, they did a little better. They were starting to get the routine of things. So again, we thought, we're going to go and do nursing. We're going to go do wound care or whatever. And we ended up doing VBS as well. So always having something in your back pocket is a very good idea. And knowing Bible stories is also very helpful because it helps connect that. You guys are here at this conference, so you know that there's our exhibitors over there. But looking at the um, GMHC website, you guys hopefully filled out and made a profile, right, for your interests, your passions, those of you that are looking for new opportunities. What are your interests? Disease and poverty, women and children, what does that look like? And so find an organization and then kind of figure out whether it should be um, short-term, long-term, we know that the enemy is um, out there. He's attacking people. But the um, gospel is dispelling darkness, and so we're really helpful or blessed with that. And again, there's that Matthew 24 verse tells us that until the very end, there's going to be wars. There's going to be people killed for their faith, but don't be discouraged. You know, the persecuted church says, um, don't pray that we're not persecuted. Pray that we can continue to spread the gospel in the midst of our persecution. So I just want to play, um, hopefully this will play, this video. Oh, of course not. Hold on. Not connected, of course. Connect. 
see if it works now. Should have tested it. If not, no worries. Oh, not that one. Thank you. I know, right? This is only five minutes, so we should be good. Woo! That was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> A little slow. It's like being overseas. Yes, you kind of got to flex with things, be flexible. All right. Hopefully this will go. The sound, of course, is not working. <sighs> and it's buffering. Yeah. Yeah. All right, since that doesn't seem to want to work, um, I think the main thing is um, kind of like what I've been saying that. We're called to serve. We need to show God um, his love wherever it is that we go. We can be a light. We can dispel the darkness. Um, we're, again, blessed to uh, do that. And one of the ways that we can do that is, um, for example, when I was in Thailand, there was a, a village where a few believers had um, come to know Jesus. And the shaman was saying, I'm going to get rid of these people. I, I want them out. I want them out. So he from his spiritual point of view, sent his spirits to get rid of and scare the people away. And the spirits reportedly came back to him and said, we can't get near those believers over there. There are three men in white guarding them. So God uses different methods in different places. He uses visions. He uses whatever is appropriate to that culture that we hear would go, that guy's crazy. He actually went ahead and sued um, people in the organization because he wanted to, um, to have his way.
perfect. All right, I'll go back to, yeah, beginning. You're awesome. Let's try that again. <laughs> or not. So while that's thinking about it, does anybody have any questions? Yeah, well, may or may not. Yes. That's a really good question. So the question was, if you're a mom and you've got little ones at home, how do you do this? Or what, do you, what are some suggestions? So there are short-term um, adventures, if you will, if you can get childcare. Um, so a lot of the organizations downstairs have maybe two to three week adventures as opposed to long-term. Um, so that might be an option. Operation Smile, um, they're not here, but they do some shorter-term adventures as well. Um, but there's lots of organizations. And I think for me, uh, for a while, I didn't go overseas. I just did stuff in my neighborhood. So I was perhaps a, a nurse down in Mexico for a weekend and did a clinic down there. It's a good question. We can talk. Sorry. It's So we're at the t- end of our time. Um, and thank you very much for your kind attention.